Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Merry Christmas! Welcome to Living Streams Community Church. I'm Pastor Greg Rubel. This is Pastor Shane Arthur, and we are so excited to celebrate our Savior with you tonight. It's a great holiday, and we're all about Jesus here. Uh, I was thinking about some of the things that we do to try to make memories at Christmas. And uh, so one of the things that we do is we make invitations to people to come over and uh, sit down to a special meal or have some special food. That's one of my favorite parts of, of Christmas and making memories there. And so we make all these invitations to people and, and then some of us dress up. You know, we put on special outfits like maybe you've got one of these at home that you're going to put on tonight. That's affectionately known as an ugly Christmas sweater, in case you didn't know that, and that's a thing. There's a whole bunch of those out there. Um, we also take pictures, a lot of pictures, and I'm thankful for my family photo albums so I can look back and, and remember, you know, what Christmas past was like for me. I found this gem this week. That was a great Christmas. Yes, that... Uh, that was the, I was wanting that bicycle, a banana, I think they were called banana seat, banana, yeah, yeah. I wrecked on that, really smashed up my face, but that was another day, you know. That day was awesome, you know, so, you know, we took pictures, and then of course we, we give gifts. I mean, this is Christmas, it's the season uh, for giving, and uh, we're celebrating uh, the greatest gift that's ever been given tonight. Now, you're here on a special Christmas at Living Streams. This is our 10th one in in this building, and so we're really excited about that. And so we've been sending out invitations all month uh, for people to come and celebrate with us here this evening, and so we're glad that you're here for that. Um, I, I dressed up. Uh, for the occasion, I got this is my Christmas outfit. I've got more comments on this tie than any tie in the history of ties that I've ever worn. So, you know, I'm really kind of glad that I did that. <laughs> so we got we got invitations. We got, we, we got clothes that that we've that we've put on, and um, we we took pictures at the very first Christmas. Uh, so I took pictures of everybody that came, and so if you don't mind, if you'll indulge me, um, I, I want to take your picture. Uh, it won't take but a second here, so, you know, just give me a big smile. Okay, you guys can do better than that side. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. <laughs> so we got the pictures taken. Um, what about the gifts? Well, we got it covered. Don't worry. You guys are our gift. Your, your, your gift, your being here is your gift to us. We've been praying that we would receive it tonight, and it means everything to us uh, that you came. And I've got a gift for you to take home if, if you want to take it home. Um, and, and the way to receive it is uh, by, by going back to the first Christmas. 
and uh, to, to taking a look there at, at the manger and what God has given to us. And so we're going to do that right now. I'm going to read the Christmas story uh, from Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 20. Um, so we're just going to go through this whole story. Hey, it's true. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Oh, what a story, Lord. What a beautiful story of your son coming here, putting himself in our life, in our skin, a gift from you. We want to celebrate him tonight, Lord. We want to worship you for your awesome love, for all you do for us. We thank you for the time we get to spend here singing to to you, worshiping and soaking in your word. Let your Holy Spirit be active among us tonight. Let him fill us and speak to our hearts and draw us near to the manger, to a Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A Christmas to remember. You're wanting to have one of those, aren't you? You can have one. Tonight. (laughs) So we read the very first Christmas story. And that's the reason that we're here, isn't it? Uh, to remember that and to celebrate that story. And I was wondering, you know, what made it so memorable? 
Because if you think about it, hardly anybody saw it. So what was it about the first Christmas that made it a Christmas to remember? It, it is the most remembered Christmas in the history of Christmases. What was it? Well, first of all, there were people that were invited. But not the people that you might think would be invited to a special occasion like this, the birth of a king. God sent an invitation to some shepherds out in a field who were working all night with their sheep. Who were they? I mean, what relation did they have to this baby that they got an invitation in such a special way? Who were they? It's pretty surprising if you think about it, if you think about who showed up at the hospital. I mean, when we had our babies, the only people that showed up at the hospital was either somebody who was going to deliver it or somebody who knew us. Jesus, when he was born, had some strangers show up. And not just any strangers. These guys were homeless guys. I mean, these guys were on the bottom of the ladder of the social rung. They were the nobodies. They had no place in the world, no special status. They were not wealthy, most likely didn't have a permanent home. And God sent them a personal invitation via an angel. And the message was this, I've got good news of great joy for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. That was the message that the shepherds got. And then they were given instructions on the neighborhood, how to go find him. This will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Now it's hard to imagine what those shepherds might have been thinking out there in the field when all those angels showed up above them, above their heads and singing praises out to God. But once they all left, we know that they got the message because they got up and they left their sheep and they went on a mission to find Jesus. Looking around Bethlehem, hunting through all the mangers, I was thinking, I wonder how long it took. I mean, the scriptures sounds like they, they went with haste, they hurried, but it doesn't say how long they had to search. How many mangers would they have had to go and look and to, to find Jesus? How, how hard was it for them? I mean, Bethlehem would have been a busy place. Remember, there was a census going on. It would have been packed with people, and that means that it would have been packed with animals. So that means that all the stables would have been full. So I wonder what they were thinking as they were wandering around Bethlehem, searching for this baby in a manger. Would they be talking? Would they be just letting those angels' words bounce around in their head? Good news for us even? A Savior born for us? Well, they finally find the right manger and the baby lying there and it's just as they'd been told. And then when they see him, everything hits home and they get real excited and they go telling everybody, you know. I mean, the shepherds were on the loose. They needed to be corralled. So this is good news of great joy for all people, even nobodies. So they're saying, this is our Savior, us. People of no account. This Christ is born for us. And that ought, to, that ought to be good news for us today. Good news. Because God's still making invitations. Uh, the, the, the shepherds were special, but they were nobody special. 
And so that means to come into God's presence, to, to believe in Christ, you don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to have a degree in theology. Uh, you don't have to have a resume. You just have to be willing to come. Max Licato, he wrote that the shepherds didn't ask God if he was sure he knew what he was doing. Had the angels gone to the theologians, they would have had consulted their commentaries first. Had he gone to the elite, they would have looked around to see who was watching. Had he gone to the successful, they would have had to check their calendars first. But he went to the shepherds. Men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and the messiahs are not found in feeding troughs. The shepherds. And God still makes invitations to all people. And these shepherds give us hope that we don't have to be somebody. We just got to accept the invitation. Now, did you catch the uh, the clothes that were selected for this first Christmas? There was clothes selected. God picked an outfit out for his son. It was called swaddling claws. In Luke 2, verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, that was a significant thing. It was part of the invitation that was given to the shepherds, Luke 2, 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, what's the big deal with with swaddling claws? I mean, it's kind of a a term that that, uh, we still use today. We still swaddle infants when they're born. I mean, it always kind of amazed me when our babies were born how they get wrapped so tight by the nurses. You know, I always figured, you know, they've been through such a traumatic experience like birth. And so, you know, this makes them feel secure and, and, uh, and safe when they're swaddled. It's a little surprising if you think about the Son of God being dressed for his first Christmas, for his birth, in this outfit. I mean, you would think that God would have picked something a little different, something more royal, you know, something more fitting for a king. Swaddling cloths were, uh, there was a dual purpose for them in Jesus' day. The outfit that Jesus dressed in was also a funeral outfit. Uh, in ancient Middle East, when you're traveling long distances, it was a dangerous journey. And a lot of times people came on hard times and trials on their, on their, in, uh, during their travels. And so in the event of a death during a trip, a body would have to be buried. It had to be wrapped and buried because there's no way to get it back to, to home uh, quick enough for a burial. And so for that reason, it was common that many travelers would, would be on the road and they would wear a swaddling cloth wrapped around their waist. So in case somebody died, then they could wrap the body and they could bury it on the way. So when Jesus was born, he was wrapped in Joseph's swaddling cloths. Cloth meant for Joseph's death. Jesus was wrapped up in it. His, for him. So that's normally preserved for somebody's death. So the the clothes that God selected to tell us about, they tell us about uh, the purpose that Jesus joined us on the planet. Uh, In Matthew chapter 1, Joseph was instructed to name the boy Jesus because he would save people from their sins. Sins that separate us from a holy God. Sins that enslave us. Sins that keep us from knowing God. Sins that can only be forgiven by the shedding of innocent blood. And that is the death that Jesus came to die. 
for us. Because he was the only innocent blood that was ever born. So the clothes, they send the world a message about the reason Jesus came. They also tell us that this first Christmas, it wasn't a, a party for those who have it all together. Um, you don't, you don't have to accept, to accept the invitation to come before the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords. You don't have to get your life all dressed up. You don't have to get things in order to come and see Jesus. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to conquer this addiction. You don't have to beat this bad habit. Jesus says, come as you are. He's wrapped in a funeral outfit. There's nothing, there's no pretense here. His heavenly father made sure that the first Christmas wasn't a formal. You know, no tuxedos, black tie, no, no evening gowns required. You don't have to get your life all dressed up. Come as you are. Good news of great joy for anybody seeking an audience with the king. And then believe it or not, there were pictures taken at the first Christmas. Really. Really. I'm not talking about pictures with a camera, but I'm talking about word pictures. There were word pictures. God preserved for us for all time details about the very first Christmas that have never been forgotten. Details that were written hundreds of years before. You know, I can hardly remember last Christmas, <laughs> even with looking at pictures. But I remember the details of the first Christmas pretty well from God's word pictures. You can find them in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you just four of them. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And then Micah 5.2. But you O Bethlehem of Ephrathah who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And then Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. And in Psalm 72, verses 9 and 10, desert nomads will bow before him. His enemies will fall before him in the dust. The western kings of Tarshish and, the, and other distant lands will bring him tribute. The eastern kings of Sheba and Seba will bring him gifts. All of those are word pictures found in the Old Testament, painted a, a hundreds of years before Jesus was born. A virgin will be with child. The child will be a boy. The boy will be born in Bethlehem. He will be king. And desert shepherds will come and worship him. And kings from the east will come and bring him gifts. Isn't that incredible? God told the world about it before it happened a really long time ago. Now, over the course of all of the years since the first Christmas, of people have painted pictures, drawn pictures of, of what this first Christmas looked like. And there are a lot of different ones to look, to look at. You know, here's one, there's one. Um, but when you look at them, there's one common characteristic all the way through. And it's peace. There's peace all the way through. 
And as I look at the, at the photos that I'm going to be taking on my camera, on my phone over the next few days of our celebration, I'm going to come back to Christmas Eve 2018 at Living Streams and I'm going to be looking at your faces. And I'm going to be wondering, what's going on behind the smile? You know, is there any peace in there? Is there any hope or joy or faith? What's going on? I mean, without sitting down with each one of you and asking, you know, hey, what's the real story this Christmas? You know, I'm going to wonder and I'll pray for you. I'll put you on social media, but I will pray for you. You know something, a trip to the manger can bring those gifts into your life. Joy and hope and peace and love and life. All of those things can happen taking a trip to the manger. I mean, the angel shouted out a message in the night sky, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Is that just a nice dream? Sometimes I ask Lori what she wants for Christmas, and she says, world peace. And I just laugh. That's what I do. I laugh. You know, keep keep wishing. You know, keep wishing. But is is peace really possible in our lives? Can we taste it? I mean, the picture God has painted for us is a peaceful night. It's a silent night, a starry night, a quiet baby dressed in a funeral outfit, laying in a feeding trough. The nobodies are there in their dirty work clothes. Do you have any of that in your life tonight? Any peace that comes from knowing that you are welcome at the feet of Jesus? God wants you to come. He wants you to see. He wants you to believe. So guests, guests have been invited the clothes have been picked out. The pictures have been taken. But what the most memorable thing was about this occasion was the gift that was given. For unto us, a child has been born. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son to us. There was this grandpa that was visiting his grandkids um, over the holidays and he came into the living room and in uh, there he found his grandson jumping up and down in his playpen screaming at the top of his lungs and so Johnny when he saw grandpa he put his hands out and said grandpa out out well what's a grandpa supposed to do so he goes and he reaches down to get Johnny and mom steps in and says whoa whoa No, no, Johnny, you are being punished. You need to stay in there. But Johnny persisted. Grandpa, out, out. Grandpa's like, you know, it's like too much for him to bear. But he didn't want to step on mom's discipline. So grandpa found a way to love on his son, on his grandson, Johnny. Instead of taking him out of the playpen, he got in. And my friends, that is exactly what Jesus did at Christmas. He left his place of glory and authority and power and he put our skin on. He got in to our playpen. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
With his life, he showed us what pure love looks like. With his death, he made it possible for us to have life with God forever. You know, the Jewish people, Jesus' people, they were waiting for a Messiah, for a rescuer to come. Somebody that would free them from their occupiers, people they were living under. Someone who could conquer them, the people that were in power and authority. Somebody who could bring victory into their lives. But when the Messiah came in Jesus, no, hardly anybody saw it. Nobody was looking for it. Not, not this Messiah. When that, when that gift, the gift of Jesus, when he grew up, his message was not a revolution. His message was love. And then when he died on the cross, um, the people thought, you know, he was dying for his own crimes. He must have done something wrong to, you know, deserve that kind of death. People that thought he was Messiah must have been mistaken. I mean, this is not how Messiah stories go. The Messiah wins. He doesn't lose. Have you ever been given a gift and you didn't think that you were going to use it? And then you found out you, you used it a lot, like all the time, and you go, how did I ever do without this? Well, it wasn't too many months ago, a friend of mine uh, gave me a pocket knife. And I said, well, thank you. And uh, I put it where pocket knives go, in my pocket, yeah, and... And, you know, I was like, well, you know, it's not nice of him to give me, give me a gift. But you know what I found out? You can use a pocket knife for a lot of things. And so I found myself pulling out the pocket knife and, and using it just about every week. And then at times, uh, I didn't have it in my pocket. And so I'd come up on something and say, oh, I can use my knife. It's not there. So I have to go looking for it. And I'm hunting around and I can't find it. And so now I'm missing my pocket knife. Thanks, Bob, for the pocket knife. <clears throat> I believe that God is an expert at giving gifts. And when he gave a gift to mankind at the first Christmas, it was exactly what we needed. I mean, if our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us a numbers man, an economist. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need is forgiveness. And God sent a savior. The reason God did not rescue his people back when Jesus was walking the earth wasn't because he couldn't. It was because that victory would have been too small. There was more people that needed saved than just those people. The first time that Jesus came, he came to conquer the hearts of mankind. A, a victory on the inside. On the inside. And so when he came, he came to make peace between all people and his heavenly father in heaven. And so the first victory was about in here. Not about out here. God didn't just reach down and take us out of our playpen of, of suffering. He got into our skin. He entered our life. He 
He died our death. And then he defeated that death. Walking out of the grave. So we can have life with him forever. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he came to, to give life. And that life to be abundant and full and satisfying and rich. That's something that happens on the inside of us. <clears throat> A life that's full of hope. That God keeps his promises. A life that is full of joy. Knowing Jesus as your friend. A life that is full of peace that comes from trusting God. A life that is full of love, that is unconditional, never ending, never able to lose it. Do you know that kind of life? Life on the inside. That's the gift I have for you. It's here for the taking. Now you might think, you know... I don't know that I want it. I mean, if it doesn't fix anything that's broken, what good is it? I mean, I'm living here now. And I agree with you. This is a broken world. This is a difficult place to live. It's not easy. But you know what? It's not always going to be this way. Because Jesus made another promise. That he would come back. We celebrate Advent right now. But there's going to be another Advent God's going to come again. And the time, that time when he comes, it will not be in peace and quiet. In fact, every eye will see him. And every knee will bow before him. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what religion you stamp on your forehead, everyone will bow and will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the people that have been waiting for him, the people that have been longing to see his face, they're going to be shouting shouts of joy, finally seeing their Savior. The people that don't know him now, that haven't been waiting for him, are going to be crying tears of agony and pain as they are sent away from his presence to everlasting torment because of their sins. The day is coming when Jesus is going to make all things new. Everything will be new. But it's not here yet. And in the meantime, we are longing for that day. That day to come when we get to see his face to face, see him face to face. And in the meantime, we are doing our best to make Jesus known in the world. To make sure people hear his name and understand what he's done for them. We want his fame to grow. We want people to go away here tonight and go, man, that Jesus is amazing. He's the one who's worthy of worship. There's time yet to believe. Still time to receive Jesus into your life. New life's coming. He's going to make all things new. But you can receive new life tonight on the inside through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it takes. And it all starts with a trip to the manger. Just going there and stopping and seeing who has been born. Why he was sent and what he did. Dying for us. Rising from the grave. Let's go there together right now. And think about that.
A lot of truth in that song, a lot of longing, a lot of worship. You know what you can do to make this a Christmas to remember? Take Jesus home with you tonight. Believe in who he is and in his name and what he's done for you. You know, it's possible to know all about this Christmas story, to know about the, the shepherds and the angels and Mary and Joseph and the baby. And uh, But until you receive Christ into your life, trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins, the story is just going to remain a story for you. And it'll come around again next year and the year after that. I want to give you the opportunity tonight to trust Jesus with yourself. I've got a prayer that, that is going to help you to do that. You don't have to be anybody special to pray the prayer. You don't have to be all cleaned up to come to Jesus. We're just going to pray it together from our hearts. And if you've never given Christ your life, if you've never trusted him for salvation... I encourage you to do that tonight. So would you stand uh, with me together and let's just pray this all together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I need to receive your gift of love and forgiveness this Christmas. I am coming to you as I am with all my faults, all my offenses against you. Forgive me for who I am and what I've done. Jesus, today I ask you into my heart and life. Cleanse me of my sins. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can begin to follow you. Thank you for making this Christmas one I'll always remember. In Jesus' name, amen.